Bellying up to the nine foot homemade oak bar, my name is Craig Toth, your host for Minor League News and Brews, talking about the ins and outs of the Pirates Minor League system. And this week we are going to be finishing up, I should say I am going to be finishing up the recap of all the Pirates minor league affiliates. We've gone from Indianapolis to Altoona to Greensboro. And this week we are going to be recapping the Bradenton Marauders 2023 season. But before I do, I want to take everybody back to the 2022 season that upset Marauders manager, Jonathan Johnston so much came down to the last game of the season so they would have a shot to go fight for the Florida State League and that seemed to be probably the rainiest couple of weeks and I know Florida is pretty rainy because uh, my wife's family vacations down there regularly and you're chasing uh, kids through raindrops a decent amount of the time I does get a lot of sun, but I mean, a lot of those games were rained out and they were, you know, within a half a game of being able to compete for the Florida State League championship, but due to rainouts, that wasn't able to happen. So the Marauders came in to 2023 with something to prove, unfortunately fell short again. The final record for the Marauders, 76 and 54, three and a half games back of the Phillies affiliate, the Clearwater Threshers in the West Division. But it wasn't because of the Marauders' bats. The Marauders' bats were hot this past season, they were tied for the league lead. In the entire Florida State League with a 743 OPS. The average for the entire league was 715. What they did struggle with was the pitching. For anybody that's listened to myself and Chris Lanuti when we record Bucks in the Basement, where we cover uh, the Pirates, the, the Major League portion of the organization. We talk about WHIP. Uh, I've had some you know, episodes on here where I focused solely on the statistics that I really look at within the minor league system. WHIP is at the top of the list for pitchers. The WHIP for the Marauders pitching staff was a 1.447, which was... Pretty close to league average. The league average was 1.444, so really close. Uh, but there was the Palm Beach Cardinals. They had a whip that was 1.354. That was the best. So I guess we'll start off with the good. And it's not that there wasn't any you know, positives within the pitching staff, but I mean, when I started breaking down all the numbers, looking at the tape and everything, I mean, a lot of the stuff was focused on the offense. And I kind of broke down the hitters into, I guess it would be categories. Some of them would be the, the very young players. And 
people should know that the average age for a low A player this last year in the minor leagues was 21 years old. And the Pirates had some pretty young players uh, on their low A team. And it's not something, obviously, that we would have seen before. I keep on bringing it up, and I said maybe one day I won't. But, you know, prior to the pandemic-canceled season, uh, we had the short season A-ball, the West Virginia Black Bears. That's where a lot of the college-level players, especially the hitters, would go. You had the Bristol Pirates. I mean, you had the, the Gulf Coast League, which is now the Florida Complex League. Uh, but some players would go there for a little bit and end up end up going up to the Bristol Pirates. That's the uh, the low A rookie ball affiliate that no longer exists. So I think we are seeing a change with this. I mean, some guys did spend time in the Florida Complex League. A couple players that you know I will talk about here in a little bit. The guys that were with uh, the the low A team for you know the majority of the season. Uh, most of it, if they weren't, was due to injury. The first one is Tamar Johnson. Tamar Johnson spoke about him in the Greensboro Grasshoppers recap. Uh, 19 years old, slashed 244, 420, 448, 13 home runs, showing some pop for a man his size. Uh, the biggest thing with him, the same as it was in Greensboro, is that K to walk rate did have a little bit of the high k rate which he did have in greensboro as well this one was a little bit higher 26.7 percent but has that walk rate up over 20 percent again at 21.8 percent very advanced eye for a player his age would look for him if he doesn't start the year in altoona uh, to, to be up there in pretty short order if that continues, obviously barring any injury. Another 19-year-old, pretty highly touted prospect, especially the way he was acquired back in 2021 for $2.35 million on the international market. Uh, outfielder Shailen Polanco, once again, only 19 years old, batted 242 with a 323 OPS, a 439 slugging, 12 home runs, did see a little bit of a higher K rate, the 28.7% and 9.6% base on ball rate. He definitely is extremely athletic, extremely fast, uh, has a, a decent approach and eye at the plate, but this is a kid that, you know, in years past, like I said, he would either be in that low A rookie affiliate or he would be in the Florida Complex League for another year. But fairly, you know, rapid at promotion, advanced promotion, which is something we've seen with Ben Charrington, John Baker and company to have him in low A ball. A guy that kind of jumped onto people's radars, uh, Ended up with some decent numbers at the end of the season is outfielder Emmanuel Torero. He is 20 years old. Uh, the end numbers still looked pretty good, but he had gotten off to a, an extremely hot start. Ended up slashing 266, 368, 409, 
eight home runs, but the one thing I would like to show is the speed. He had six triples, had the little bit of a high K rate, which is, you know, pretty characteristic and normal for, you know, some younger players, 25.7%, but did see the walk rate up above 10%, which is kind of like a threshold for me is if you're going to have one of those higher K rates up into the, you know, the middle to upper 20s, definitely going to have to have that walk rate up over 10%. He was at 13 uh, percent, which brings up, you know, that on base percentage, a little bit higher than than Polanco's. Polanco's was 323. He's 368. You see that walk rate come up, and that's you know kind of showing, you know, a more advanced approach at the plate. Going to probably the youngest guy, and I was I was kind of shocked, but not really that he ended up being promoted from the FCL. Jordani De Los Santos signed in 2022 for $1.2 million. Uh, he slashed 328, 397, 463 in the Florida Complex League before getting called up to the Marauders. Struggled, but once again, kind of to be expected. Just wanted to get that cup of coffee to see what they had in him. Definitely going to be in Bradenton again this year. Uh, 184. 322, 256 did get, you know, a home run there. Guy has some definite, you know, legitimate power. Uh, struck out 39.2% of the time, but did walk 14.4% of the time. The next prospect was somebody extremely excited to see. Kind of didn't get his professional career kicked off the way that he wanted to, probably that we expected when he was selected in the second round, comp round B in 2021 for $1.5 million, you know, kind of brought him away from his commit to Penn State where he was going to play football, where he was going to play baseball. Lonnie White Jr., really good to see him play. He, I, You got to keep reminding yourself, he is only 20 years old. He batted 259 with a 395 on base percentage, 488 slugging, eight home runs, 28% K rate, but a 16.0 base on ball rate. Really good to see him. Extremely athletic kid. Obviously, if you are, you know, being recruited to one, you know, to a major, you know, university to play both sports. Extremely athletic, hopefully stays healthy, would look for him to climb, you know, in fairly quick order if he continues to hit the way that he did. And then there were a couple of guys that I, I wanted to show, like at the beginning, I the average age of the players is, is 21 years old in low A. So when I see a guy come in, yes, it's exciting. But somebody that I saw all over the, the Twitter sphere or the X sphere uh, was Josiah Seitler. He was drafted in 2022 out of South Carolina in the 15th round. Went on a tear in low A Bradenton and got a pretty quick promotion to Greensboro. He was slashing 516, 563, 891, six home runs. One of his first in, in like the first weekend. Um, that he was up, had a two home run game. 
uh, down in Bradenton. And I mean, it's kind of, you get excited when you see that kind of stuff. But then once you look at the age, he, he kind of should be doing that. Uh, so that when he goes up to Greensboro, obviously didn't hear as much about him after that. I don't know if, I mean, obviously I was paying attention, but didn't see his name mentioned as much, probably because he slashed 232, 293 with a 387 OPS, um, 387 slugging, and had seven home runs, struck out 28% of the time, a 7.6% base on ball rate. Kind of, you know, showed a little bit of struggles with that adjustment, which, I mean, I hate to say it was kind of to be expected to a degree, um, just because, you know, he was playing to a lower level of competition in low A. Once he got to high A, kind of saw some struggles there. Did still see some of the power, but, I mean, the on-base percentage, you, if that drops below 300, that's that's not something you can really work with. Another guy, I talked about him, I feel like, at nauseum, if you've been listening to to most of these, and that would be uh, Jack Brannigan. Jack Brannigan started out in Bradenton. He had been in Bradenton during the previous year after being at, drafted out of Notre Dame in the third round. Uh, down in Bradenton, I mean, you look at the, I was looking at the Greensboro numbers compared to the Bradenton numbers. I really hadn't looked at the Bradenton numbers in a while. Uh, he slashed 253, 398, 451, with seven home runs, struck out 26.9% of the time, uh, but did walk 5.9% of the time. When he went to Greensboro, and, and I've always cautioned with Greensboro, and I think with him, I've, you know, I, I talked about this before when I was on the 412 Double Play podcast uh, with Michael and Ed, talked about, you know, just looking inside the numbers a little bit on him and seeing some caution as to whether there could be a little bit of regression with a promotion to Altoona uh, in Greensboro slash 299, 382, 605. A lot of that due to the 12 home runs saw his K rate, you know, creep up even more uh, 33.5% in his time in the grasshoppers. And then he did have the 12.1% base on ball rate out in the out in the Arizona Fall League. And when I did the Arizona Fall League preview, and I believe I mentioned this before, was that, you know, I, I if somebody performs poorly, I, I don't look too much into it. If a guy performs extremely well, I really don't look too much into it. But you'd rather have a guy perform well than perform poorly well. And Jack just had, he had a struggle out there, out there in Arizona. He slashed 177, 290, 405, four home runs, struck out 37.6% of the time, only walked 9.6% of the time. I just, I mean, I just see a lot of swing and miss to his game. He does have some power. There's no question that he can play defense, got a great arm, um, just looking forward to, it's going to be a guy that I'm going to be keeping a, a pretty close eye on as the 2024 season starts, whether he begins in Greensboro or Altoona, just going to be looking to see if he can cut down on that K rate a little bit, because that is, you know, it's not something 
that is going to work as you go up the levels. I mean, we've kind of seen it with some players. I know Mason Martin is is one of the the poster boys for that. Uh, always had a pretty uh, high K rate, and as he went up through the minors, it only continued to climb, and it really didn't matter how much power you had because you can't be striking out you know, 28, 30-some percent of the time and, and expect to be successful as you move your way up the levels but the cool thing with you know Bradenton being kind of like that landing spot for the draft picks now is you know once you draft a guy and you're going to see him pretty quickly and I mean like I said I, I do miss the days where I could drive down to Morgantown and you know catch some guys that had just been selected in in the draft, but you know, getting to see it uh, on the screen and everything is, is still kind of cool as well. Got to see a couple guys kind of ball out a little bit here. Mitch Jeb, second round pick out of Michigan State, guy with the funky swing. He slashed 297, 382, 398, a 7.2% K rate. And an 11.1% base on ball rate. You're seeing an advanced bat there. If you're seeing a guy that is walking more than he's striking out in the lower levels, could see him move through the system pretty quickly. And then a, a big surprise here with uh, with Charles McAdoo from San Jose State. Uh, he slashed 302, 412, 510. Saw some pop in that bat. I mean, I think that in the past couple years at San Jose State, fairly uh hitter friendly uh conference that he's in he had like 10 and 12 home runs so i didn't know to expect this much power from this guy but i mean he definitely showed up with those five home runs 19.2 percent k rate 14.9 percent base on ball rate uh and as i said before i mean look at these hitters uh, other than, you know, Jordani De Los Santos kind of come up and struggling, but I did want to mention him and did want to talk about him. I mean, you can see why the Marauders were tied for first in OPS in all of the Florida State League. On to the pitchers, part of the pitching staff that was below average slightly uh, in the Florida State League. Uh, we did see, you know, a couple guys who were performing well uh, with the Marauders. I mean, they were rewarded and they were bumped up to Greensboro, which, you know, will have an effect on the, the low A team. And I believe it was when I talked to John Moses uh, from the Altoona Curve was talking about, you know, I think I phrased it as like kind of like a disappointing season. And this more goes to, you know, people who are simply fans of that affiliate as opposed to the process and the organization. And, And he gave examples of, okay, would you rather win, you know, the Eastern League or see you know, three of the players that started on your roster on opening day make it to the major league successfully? Obviously, you would rather see that. And the same with this is that, you know, could you win a Florida State League championship with these guys? I mean, possibly it might give you a better shot. 
but you would rather see them individually advance and be challenged, you know, at the the level above that in Greensboro. The first one of those pitchers is Thomas Harrington. Always give a shout out to the Campbell Fighting Camels. He pitched 39 innings uh, in Bradenton, had a 2.77 ERA, a 1.103 WHIP, did have a 9.2 Ks per nine, which if you go back and listen to uh, the Greensboro show, which I encourage everybody to do, I didn't talk about this, but his Ks per nine actually went up when he went to Greensboro slightly, and he went up to 10.8 Ks per nine, even though his whip went up to 1.302. The ERA went up to 3.87. And he did struggle, as I mentioned previously during that show, in his first few starts and then kind of settled down. So it was a very good uh, end of the season for him. Uh, The other player, he pitched uh, 74 and two-thirds innings uh, in in Bradenton, and that was Derek Diamond, uh, 2022 six-round pick out of Old Miss, uh, he had a 3.98 ERA, a 1.232 WHIP in Bradenton, and then ended up getting you know bumped up for his last 45 innings of the year up to Greensboro. Struggled a decent amount, had a 6.00 ERA and a 1.444 WHIP. So if you had Thomas Harrington, you had you know, Derek Diamond on the Marauders for the entire season. You may see, you know, them have a little bit better of a record, obviously. But, you know, seeing those guys getting to be moved up, getting to be challenged, I mean, that's really the jobs of the affiliates. I mean, obviously, you want to see, you know, your minor league affiliates stack championships because that's showing, you know, that you are having some of that positive development. But also, you want to see these individuals. Uh, move up as well somebody who did pitch for you know the marauders the entire year and actually had you know a fairly decent season uh fourth round pick from 2021 20 year old from vermont the best pitcher in high school in vermont during uh, his senior season owen kellington pitched 80 innings in bradenton a 394 era but two slightly concerning numbers a 1.400 whip. He also had 5.6 walks per nine, did have Uh, 10.1 strikeouts per nine, but a little bit concerning. Another pitcher, we saw him pitch in the AFL, and I I mentioned that before, Uh, 19 years old, Alessandro Erlacani. Pitched 65 innings for the Marauders, a 4.43 ERA, a 1.431 WHIP. In the AFL, he only pitched 3.2 innings. Just wanted to get him some extra work out there. Uh, so really, the other numbers, I mean, I'll, I'll tell them to you, but in my eyes, these ones don't matter as much. Uh, it's a 9.82 ERA, a 3.545 WHIP. But only 19 years old, really usually wouldn't see a pitcher of his age level, a pitcher of, well, actually his his level within the minors pitch out there, but uh, getting a little bit of extra work in there. So we'll see how Alessandro looks in 2024. Last pitcher that I wanted to mention, 
numbers that kind of really stuck out. And he was like a slew of the college arms that, that Ben Sherrington took during this this last year's draft in the seventh round out of Georgia. Jaden Woods only pitched 14.1 innings in 10 games, a 3.14 ERA as a reliever, but a 0.907 whip. We saw, you know, Charrington go extremely college pitcher heavy. I mean, some of these guys may be stretched out to be starters, but it's definitely looking like a decent amount of guys, especially like in their usage here, um, looking to be relievers. But, I mean, unfortunately for the Marauders, I mean, I went through a bunch of tape, bunch of the stats and everything and it just wasn't a great uh pitching year for the marauders and actually the florida state league in general which is usually a fairly uh pitcher heavy uh league but i mean maybe it was the hitting talent that was there that maybe kind of skewed this a little bit as well so i don't want to take anything away from you know the hitters and I also maybe will kind of see how these pitchers bounce back next season. A pitcher of beer, a pitcher of beer. Let's order another pitcher of beer. That pitcher of beer should come over here. I love that pitcher of beer. I'm done with the Oktoberfest. Looking towards... The Christmas ales and the winter warmers. But before I did that, I needed to cleanse my palate a little bit. Instead of making that jump straight from all of the Oktoberfest that I've been talking to you guys about. To all of the Christmas ales, all of the winter warmers. Definitely not my favorite uh beer season i do like some christmas ales i do like some winter warmers especially the winter warmers a little bit more but those are getting into more of the heavier beers you know more so of you know the aavs um but the also sorry i'm thinking aav i'm thinking average annual value the abvs i but also just the heavier drinking beers so I decided to cleanse my palate, went back to Ellicottville, have reviewed some beers from them as well. This is one I had not had before. It is their Monroe Street Pilsner, 5.1%, real easy drinking beer. Give that one a 425, bring it down to 375. The next beer I couldn't pass up because it's from Three Floyds Brewing, one of my favorite breweries that I've ever been to. They have a Lunar Throne Hazy IPA. This one's a little bit heavier. It's a 7.3. Everybody knows I like a little bit of the, the lighter hazies, but I did give this one a 450, bring it down to 400. If it would have been a little bit lighter. I mean, this is one that could have been like a 475, a 500 for me um, on my scale and, you know, would have been brought down to like 425, 450. Definitely a really good beer. For the first time on this show, I am doing some Allagash Brewing from Maine. I, I have had some Allagash beers before, not too many, 
but they had a hop reach ipa a citrus tropical ipa coming in at 6.8 percent gave that one a 425 bring it down to 375 and they also had a river trip pale ale this one was 4.8 percent gave this one a 425 as well bring it down to 375 that one was definitely like a lot smoother i thought about scoring a little bit higher but i mean they were both very you know good drinking beers next week coming back uh we'll start to kick into the christmas ales already went out and purchased some of them have them in the fridge those are ones that if i'm going to have a beer i'm probably just going to have one of those uh per night or until i i do the next beer review just because it's not the ones where i can sit there and be like okay i got a you know a six pack of samplers and i can drink these throughout the days no the, the christmas hails are the ones that it's like okay i'm gonna sit down and, and watch a movie with the wife or watch some tv or something and i'm gonna have this one beer gonna be doing the, the christmas ales coming up and then also uh, we do know at this point in time, everybody knows at this point in time, Braxton Ashcraft, Sung Che Chang, protected, added to the 40-man to protect them from the Rule 5 draft. Going to be breaking that down, breaking down who was selected, who wasn't protected, and then also uh, looking at if there is anybody out there that would be interesting that the Pirates could pick up in the Rule 5 draft, not saying they have to make a selection, but in case there is somebody, and until next time, guys, have a good one.